Um, no, I was going to say Dimitri Martin. There's a he's quite a funny, very sort of strange comedian. Yes. Does a lot of like very deadpan. Yeah, but okay, also so you are familiar with him. But very like uh, almost surreal one-liner kind of yeah. stuff. I like that. But he, he does he does this bit in one of his shows, which is on Spotify. Mm-hmm. I occasionally listen to comedy on Spotify. It's quite yeah. funny. John Mulaney's on there, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's talking about how you can say yes and you can say yeah during sex, but you can't say yep. oh yep (laughs) yep yep that just sounds like you're giving someone instructions backing up a truck like yep 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 no whoa 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 which i mean yep 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 break it up no (laughs) it's like uh you 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 only ever hear people in the beginnings of songs agreeing with the music you never hear them disagreeing with it it's like yep uh uh-huh uh-huh but you never hear something going nah not Mm. feeling it not really what's that um I think it might be a Dan Lassac song where he does that and he's like, no, no, no. Oh, that's it. He's like halfway through a, a, a verse and there's a voiceover that comes on. It's like, come on, man. You know we agreed that verse was straight garbage. And he just changes for a different verse. Like, all right. <laughs> that's very good. Welcome to Hey Brew, the podcast about beer and storytelling. Each week, one of us brings a beer and a story, often tangentially related. The other one listens and usually makes stupid comments. My name is Elliot. And my name is Mike. Mike, how are you this week? You well? Uh, I'm doing pretty well, yeah. Yeah. Been yeah. a big week? Uh, well, I had a big Thanksgiving thing yesterday, so I'm recovering from just like falling asleep due to eating a lot. Actually sounds pretty magical though. I'm insanely jealous. Yeah. Um, it was it was real good. I'm also a bit of a sleepy boy this week, but that's purely because of my own desire to punish my liver three days running. <laughs> so last night was difficult and I ate a lot of Krispy Kreme donuts and felt guilty. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That would get you there. Yeah, because they were like 9 p.m. at 7-Eleven Krispy Kreme, oh, so they weren't even good. No. I had them with a glass of milk because That's I'm like 12. potentially the worst time. Yeah. Yeah. You ever had one when they're fresh off the line? Uh, I think so. Because like pe- people good. would get them in the office, but they'd get them on their way in in the morning. Oh, no. I mean, I've literally like gone to Krispy Kreme at oh. Fountain Gate, and you're like, can I try a, gl- a glaze? When you're ordering things, yeah. you can go down and get a coffee and be like, oh, can I try one? And because they do so many, yeah. they'll just like pull it straight off the glazing. Really? They'll be like, nope. And you just pull it off and give it to you. And it's just like still oh. melting in your hands. And it's warm. Okay. Holy fuck, it's wrong right. Yeah. I'm, that actually sounds really good right now. <laughs> I'm really hungry. Yeah. <laughs> You've made me hungry just by talking about bad donuts. I'm like, get KFC. Screw y'all. Yeah, nice. But don't mm. do that. It's not good. Fair enough. All right. So, Mike, any beer news for us this week? Uh, yes. And I know immediately that it's going to make you angry. Uh, I finally went to Hop Nation in uh, Footscray on Friday. Uh, something that we've been talking about for fucking ages. Mm. And we just haven't. Uh, yeah, some friends of mine were going over there after work on Friday. And I was like, I can, I can join them. I'm not doing anything. I'd like to add the caveat is that I don't really blame you because I really want to go. I'm more just jealous. And the, the annoying thing is that I could just go anytime. You could. Yeah. It's not even far away. Yeah. Um, and Footscray is apparently quite good. Yeah. I'm surprised because like I've, I've been there a couple times in the six odd years I've lived in Melbourne. Um, and it's definitely been sort of on the way up in terms of, you know, having things to do and, yeah. um, and like, yeah. Gentrification. You, you, yeah. I was going to say, you can put it a lot down to gentrification, which has had an impact on, I guess, the, the culture and the environment there. But um there are some really nice places to go there. I just, you know, don't get over that side of town that much because it is a little awkward um, coming from sort of inner north suburbs. You'd have to go down to go make up, wouldn't you? Because it is kind drive, of northwest anyway. I drove. Yeah. Um, and even then it's like trying to do that at about 6 p.m. on a Friday was pretty rough. Good stuff. Uh, and like one, one of the, I think it was like Footscray Road had a partial closure on it, which is like the main way to get there. Um, 
Anyway, Grand. <laughs> uh, Hop Nation, like we've both been fans of their work for, for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, throwback to episode one of this show. Oh, shit. We had The Chop from Hop Nation. Have we only done one Hop Nation beer on this? I th- maybe, I think, no, it wasn't. We've done like a couple of collabs. I think maybe. maybe yeah. yeah, anyway. Um, so yeah, throwback to that. Uh, I started with the Jedi juice because it had been a long time since I'd had it. Since I'd had it so and good as that well. beer fucking holds up, man. It's so good. <sighs> Um, yeah, tried a couple of other things and then it, so they, they, they close on a Friday night. Cause it's like a pretty small little bar they've got there. They close at about 10 mm-hmm. and it got to about nine and like, you know, the staff, it was like, we had f- six of us there and it was starting to like thin out and the staff had started closing off parts of the bar and cleaning up and that. And then, you know, while we're sort of just hanging out, the staff starts having a drink of their own. Um, and then they, they come over and they're like, sorry to interrupt you, but, um, they had pies and a pie warmer. Um, and they were like, look, we've already all had one. Do you guys just want one? And these are like, these aren't just like standard run of the mill pie warmer pies. These are from a place in Footscray called Pie Thief that apparently do like pretty decent gourmet pies. Uh, one of them was like a lasagna pie. Uh, the one I had was like a Massaman curry pie. And I'm just gonna stop you right. I couldn't be more angry right yeah, now I know. because I also love pies. Yeah, I, I saved this anecdote for now. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that then yeah, they just brought a bunch of them over. We basically got one each. Um, someone someone in our group had looked at them and went like, "That looks really good." Oh, they're six dollars. No, thank you. And so we just got them for free. Um, so shout out to the crew at Hop Nation for just being fucking rad dudes um, and giving us free food. If you didn't get some a small amount of food poisoning from that, I walk. No, it, no, it was that's, great. It. <laughs> no, that's it. No, I'm back. going. <laughs> um, then, yeah, so we finished up there at about 10 or so when they were closing up, and then we went to Mr. West, oh, yeah. um, which I'd not I been to. I that one. Uh, you will, and I'll tell you why. Um, so they kind of reminded me a bit of Carwin Cellars and that they've got like a decent bottle shop, and then mm-hmm. they've got the bar upstairs, and um, they had some really good stuff on tap. I got, uh, again, because I was driving on a small serve of the Garage Project Turbo Fuzz. Oh, it's like a triple, yeah. triple hazy Nipa thing. So just to confirm, that is the best beer around at the moment, right? Uh, yeah. It's yeah. yeah, real good. I had it at uh, Mate Fest. I think I told it um, a couple mm. of weeks ago, um, and that was like maybe a day or two after it had come out anywhere. Oh yeah, so it was so like super, super fresh, fresh. Uh, and it was still fresh uh, on Friday night. It was it's just delicious. Um, and then yeah, so Mr. West. So I knew that I knew the name from somewhere, but I couldn't remember where it was. Uh, so I looked them up, and it turns out back in episode eight of this show, we did an episode on the Pavlova. If oh, you yeah. remember that. That beer was a collaboration between Collective Arts in Canada and Mr. And Mr. West. West. Oh, shit. Yeah. So we were, like, we were sitting there. I was like, where do I know this name? And I looked it up through my untapped history. And I was like, holy shit. That well. Or, no, actually what it was is someone else was talking about a Pavlova beer that that had. Um, and I was like, oh, that, that actually sounds really great. And then I was like, I couldn't remember like the details of the one that we had. So I looked it up. And that's when I realized. I was like, huh. She- there it is. Um, so yeah, like Friday night ended up being this weird, like trip down memory lane for me through the Hebrew archives. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite funny, right? Really. Yeah. We've not even had that many episodes, but it's quite nice to look no, back. No. Uh, so yeah, that, that was my, my Friday night. And then, uh, today's December 1st. So I have a beer advent calendar that I'm excited to open the, uh, the first tab on. Oh, I'm fucking keen on that. Um, so yeah, today's going to be a, an interesting day. Oh damn! I fell yeah. asleep last night drinking the Wolf of the Willows Five Year XPA. Wow! Um, triple XPA, like an anniversary celebration. Yeah, right? so yeah. they've turned five. Um, Wolf of the Willows, fantastic brewery. Mm. Like really good. Have you been down there? Where are they? 
so you would know if you've been there now, it's like Black Rock Way, and it's Wolf okay. of the Willows and Bad Shepherd Joint Brewery there. Right, I've been to Black Rock Beach. Yeah. Um, really decent beach. Yeah, um, there's, there's two bays there as well, I think. Yeah. No, wait. Is it two bays? That might be the one that's in um, Byron. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and it, it's a pub and it's shit. The food apparently looks really good, but the tap is just crap. So. Which one? This It looks like a brew pub and it's not. It's called You're like, talking about Wolf of the Willows? No, no, no. no. This place is like oh, on Black Rock one. Beach, yeah, yeah. basically. Um, but uh, yeah, Wolf of the Willows, I really like them. Everything mm-hmm. they do is pretty much brilliant in my mm-hmm. opinion. Um, and uh, so yeah, that was, that was, that was a really good mm-hmm. uh, triple XPA. And I finally also had a beer that I, I didn't like. What was it? I'm dying to know. <laughs> um, it was the, uh, I forget who, but it was a Hibiscus XPA. Okay. And I was like, ooh, it's been quite a warm day. I've yeah. just been to CrossFit. I do have a hangover. That sounds light. Were you expecting something and like refreshing. light and floral? Yeah. Turns out I don't like hibiscus. I mean, I don't think I've ever had anything that I would say was like hibiscus flavored. Um, I mean, let's have a look. Also, it turns out I've been... Oh, I've got a new bit to talk to you about as well, which has been fucking amazing. Mm. Um, Sunshine... Oh, Bridge Road. Sunshine Hibiscus XPA. I gave it 2.5 wow. on Untapped. Mm. I didn't like it at all. Yeah. But um, I'm obsessed at the moment with Pirate Life's Hort 4337. I've had like six pints of it at Beer Deluxe okay. recently. And um, it is... Just phenomenal. Okay. Uh, genuinely a brilliant um, so they're, IPA. they're clearly still going pretty strong after the acquisition then. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, I wasn't overly worried about that, to be perfectly honest with mm. you. People complain about that a lot. But, um, yeah, that's... Um, get yourself down to Beer Deluxe and give it a try, because it is fucking banging. Mm. Also, I am like the 99% of the people checking in at Beer Deluxe at the moment. So oh, if yeah. someone could knock me off that, that'd be great. Yeah. Making me look bad. I, um, so I think it was maybe Wednesday or Thursday... I think it was untapped. No, it was a uh, swarm, which I used to like check into different locations. Mm-hmm. So I know like where I've been in different countries and that sort of thing. Um, it popped up a notification. It's like, get to a brewery this week to make it five weeks in a row. <laughs> and then it was like, not. Uh. it was not a couple hours later that a friend of mine posted in a Slack that I'm in. I'm going to Hop Nation on Friday after work. Does anyone want to come? And I was like, well, here I go Two again. Two people asking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My phone is just like, we know what you're about. Here, That's here you go. Amazing. I'm so proud of you. It's very fun. There it is. Speaking of beer. Yeah. We've got one. Yay. For today. For Good. this show. Episode 18. Because I am sober for the first time in days and it is horrible. Well, we're about to fix that pretty quickly. Mm. Mike, sex me up. What we got? Well, from Six String Brewing Company, mm-hmm. uh, which are based You talk. In... I'm going to check in on Untapped. I've become obsessed. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they're based on the Central Coast in New South Wales. Uh, That's what I always thought Six String was in the US. No, uh, Six Point, you're thinking of. Maybe, yeah. yeah. I think they're New York based. Because remember, we went to Carwin for that US Pine of Origin thing. Oh, yeah. Do you know, I, I'm not them. that impressed by the Six Point stuff. Like, uh, I've had a couple and I'm like, it's fine. Yeah, they were good. I think it was more like the prestige of them having air freighted it in the day before. Yeah. Um, but from Six String Brewing Company, the Gothic Imperial Stout. I like all those things. Yeah. I thought you might, given that you're wearing a cardigan with pentagrams on it. And cobwebs. Y- yes, yeah. Um, Spookiness until Christmas. Yeah, it's like a almost a gold can, almost like a brass color. Mm, um, it's very cool. With some black sort of... It's, I was what actually, is it on it's, it? It's a face of a woman, if you look at it from this side. Yeah, but what's... Is it just her hair is yeah, mad? Yeah, and it's like sort of like it's been blown back in the wind. I don't know what's happening. No, I'm excited. Um, but yeah, so... 
I guess we just open it. Yeah. And pour it out because there's not much else to say about it before we do that. Well, do you want to open it and I'll, and I'll talk wax yeah. lyrical from the side bit? Get ready to be fully embraced by this by the imperial in this gothic stout, pitch black in color. Hang on, I can do this better. Get ready to be fully embraced by the imperial in this gothic stout, pitch black in color. The aroma and flavor bursts a deep and rich mo- roasted malt sweetness. Oh, I didn't do that very well. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I'm just gonna pour it out. Yeah, <clears throat> you do that. Uh, it is certainly dark in color. I will mm. give it that. Um, what else was it saying? Uh, Moorish, yeah. like a crack. Well, we don't know that yet. We don't know that yet. Uh, I will. I will. I will say now it's nine point eight percent alcohol, two point nine standards in this. Uh, was it three thirty mil can? Do you specifically choose alcohol, high alcohol beers to do this? By the way, or does it just uh, happen every time? I don't. Uh, it's just. I, I honestly went with this one on the name. Uh, sorry, it's a three seventy five mil can. Yeah. Um, yeah, I went with this on on the name. Obviously, that's how I relate it to the story most easily. Can I say I'm very pleased with that pour? Yeah, it's uh, a sexy looking. You, beer. You've done very well. Ooh, that certainly smells like an imperial stout. I'll say that. All right, I'm going to taste this. As am I. Oh, holy heck! Oh, that's nice. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, it's quite. Uh, it's good. Very, very dark. <laughs> it, it, I'm really tasting that. It says it mentions. Uh, is it caramel? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The longer it sort of Chocolate, sits, caramel and toffee. When it sits on your tongue, it's definitely got that almost burnt caramel. Kind of that's what I was thinking. It. Yes. Um, mm. Yeah. Shit. It's but it's not like to the point of it being like a sweet stout. No, it's, it's not. Just, it's, it's still su- nice and it's bitter. It's quite subtle. Mm. It's like it's quite a dry stout. And the bitterness that sits at the back of your tongue at the end of it is like almost metallic. A little bit. Mm. Yeah. Oh dear, I'm into that. Yeah. What else is going on in here? Oh, and it's that I'm getting the warming just in my belly as well, yeah. rather than being like in the mouth or burning down the throat. Yeah. Just like, that might be just my alcoholism that's warming my belly and no, Pavlovian, but I'm still. Getting, I'm getting a little bit of that too. Okay, so sweet. It's, it's not just you. Oh, that's good. And yeah. it is very dark and it's a very pretty looking beer. Like that head that was on it was real good. Yeah. It's almost mm. like when you see a really good espresso shot and you've got like the crema sitting mm. on the top and it's just like, oh, you've done very well there. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, shit. Yeah, man. This is... I'm enjoying this. This is most, most enjoyable. I'm trying to think what else there is to say about it. Um, um, is there anything you compare it to? Uh, honestly, I was just thinking about the Pirate Life Stout, uh, which doesn't have kind of the, the toffee or the uh, caramel flavors to it, but it is this kind of dark stout with just like a really good, robust flavor to it. Yep. Um, it's... I'm trying to think of how how to describe it for someone that might not be that familiar with stouts. So, is kind of where I'm so where I'm trying to get to. The thing is, I think that the stouts because you get like the pastry stouts and the mad shit now, mm. it can get quite away from what people consider to be just a stout. And mm. if you've ever had Guinness, that, this is almost like a more complicated. Well, that's like a Guinness is technically a milk stout, right? Is it? I thought it was a dry Irish stout. Maybe I'm not sure. I don't know. Either, Either way, way, but like a, a Guinness is like it's it's. Like, I know it's a big mass-produced beer, but it's a pretty damn good example of what a stout can be. Yeah, I think for, for a lot of people getting into beer, that's likely to be their first stout. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Mm. Um, and I think what this is, is it offers, like, a bit more flavors on top of mm. a very good stout base. Yeah. And that, as I can almost say, it's like, that is what Guinness offers, is that stout base that's really good. And then just now imagine, like, layering a couple of extra things on top yeah. of that. Um, so this is the thing, is, is it... Is, it's not a massively complicated or weird or mind blowing, no. but it is a very tasty yeah. stout. Yeah, and it's nine percent. Yeah, it'll sorry nine ten percent. Yeah, round up in this case. Loud. <laughs> um, yeah, yesterday actually, because we we're doing a Thanksgiving thing, I took a couple of 
pumpkin adjacent beers that I was able to find. That's a very strange sentence, but I do get it. Yeah. So I had a from uh, two meter tall. <laughs> so I just thought if you just like put in next to a pumpkin, it's like, and now they are pumpkin. Yeah. Adjacent. Or just like put it inside of a pumpkin. Um, so from two meter tall down in Tasmania, I had a sour pumpkin ale. Um, Ooh, how how did that go? So it was a it was like it was a decent sour as far as sours go. The pumpkin flavor wasn't super uh, prominent. It, it was definitely there in in the in the smell of the beer, uh, but the taste basically. The, I think the sourness just kind of overpowered any of the pumpkin flavor that might have been in there. That's a shame. Yeah, uh, but I also had uh, the Quiet Deeds collab with Froth Magazine, uh, the Resting Witch Face. Which I managed to track down. Yeah, I had that. A pumpkin spice porter. Which um, I think was fine. Yeah. Like, it, it, again. It was a bit lacking I, in pumpkin. Yeah, I think, again, the, the spiced porter was definitely pre- present, uh, but the pumpkin didn't really stand out. Which is sad, because America gets a lot of these pumpkin beers, because pumpkin's a big thing over there for both Halloween and for... Starbucks. Um, I was going to say Thanksgiving, but yes, that. <laughs> um, and it's because it's, it's grown in mass quantities over there mm. and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. It's a shame, because... I think pumpkin beers are great, and a lot of Americans are like, they're really overdone. It's a really stupid mm. tradition. I think they're delicious, mm. and I'd love more of them. But as a result, the ones we get over here now are not the very pumpkin-y ones. Yeah. They're the, like, pumpkins overdone ones. Yeah, they're kind of seasonal, um, specialty kind of beers. Yeah, whereas I'd be quite happy to get, like, there was one I used to get by, um, I think it was um, Sail on Anchor Brewing mm. over in WA, which I think has disappeared, which I'm really sad about. I think I mentioned that on the podcast before, that mm. the bloke they used to do was really good, the Red Ale. Mm. Anyway, they did a pumpkin one. I got one one year, and I ended up buying like three more bottles of it in Dan Murphy's. Because it was just like, this is just a really good beer with the flavor of pumpkin in like a good like pale ale or something, yeah. or good IPA. Really yeah. fun. But yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe we can rock one of them for autumn. Maybe. We can yeah. pick one up. We can yeah. make one, sorry. Yeah, true. Mm. All, All right, right, Mike. So your gothic imperial stout, mm-hmm. what are you going to tell me about? I'm going to tell you about goths. Which kind of goths, Mike? That's uh, good that you ask. Uh, so, goths. Sorry, I just I was like, do you mean like cyber goth? And I just had that image of, you know, the, the video, the video dancing, of them like dancing yeah. under the bridge. Uh, no, but that definitely came up in my research. <laughs> uh, very, very old YouTube joke, basically. Yeah, um, just making them dance to different things. Yeah, yeah. Very fun. Uh, so goths date back to around the first century CE mm-hmm. uh, an early Germanic people um, Germanic is basically like it's because a lot of us are vampires but go on yeah it's basically just like the word Germanic because I wasn't 100% sure it's basically northern Europe mm. uh, ethnic groups spoke Germanic languages and uh, notably distinct from their like Celtic neighbours yeah um, so you've probably heard of two branches of Goths uh, the Visigoths mm-hmm. and the Ostrogoths mm-hmm. Uh, they were basically later versions of groups that were involved in the Gothic War uh, between the years of about 376 to 382, um, which was the beginning of the fall of the Western Roman Empire. Is that the Byzantine? No. So the, that Byzantine was... That comes in later. Okay. So that's the Eastern Roman Empire. I can say that's in the East. Yeah. Also, Byzantine, Byzantine, Byzantine. I think Byzantine... Byzantine but, sounds so fussy. It does. Like, I feel like Byzantine, Byzantine... Well, it's spelled B-Y-Z. Yeah. Um, anyway. Let's get bizarre. It's a Let's weird Simpsons Byzantine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. We've got a first Simpsons reference into the day. Yeah. Good. Very Our first catch of the day. Yes. Uh, so by the year 526 CE, the Visigothic Kingdom uh, included, uh, looking at like a map now, basically Spain, part of the south of France, 
while the Ostrogothic kingdom included uh, another part of the south of France, all of Italy, and then down through like Bavaria, Slovenia, Croatia, and into like Bosnia and Herzegovina. That, that's the Ostrogoths? Uh, yes. Yeah, they fucking slap. Yeah, and then like <laughs> the Roman Empire is basically just like tucked off to the side from there over towards like Greece. Yeah, I was going to say it's like Istanbul and Greece. Yeah. Um, Istanbul so, being a city, not a country, Elliot, but you know, yeah. Asia Minor. Um, the second Gothic War occurred uh, between 535 and 554 CE uh, with the Goths fighting against the Eastern Roman Empire, also known as the Byzantine Empire. Uh, the Goths lost this war, uh, began to disperse into Northern Europe, uh, which is basically the end of them as a uh, cultural group, I guess, huh. or um, whatever you would class them as. Yeah. Um, this Ethnic is one, culture. Yeah. This is one really choice quote that I found uh, from a guy called Henry Bradley uh, from the story of the Goths, which came out in 1888. Uh, in all history, there is nothing more romantically marvelous than the swift rise of this people to the height of greatness or than the suddenness and the tragic completeness of their ruin. Amongst the actors in the story are some whose noble characters and deeds are worthy of eternal remembrance, and the events which it records have influ- influenced the destinies of the whole civilized world. That's a wicked quote. And can I just say, you delivered that so well, I couldn't read the side of a can earlier. <laughs> I reached the end of the line and just stopped because I forgot how sentences worked. So thank you. That's very well delivered. Thank you. Uh, now do it again, but backwards. No. <laughs> I, <laughs> I thought about really it. Thought you were I looked at it and I was like, no. Uh, so at this point, I'll confess that this story itself, uh, just like the Goths we've been talking about, uh, will have a sudden end. <laughs> we're not actually here. Sorry, to, I don't know what that noise I just made was, but it just really tickled me. We're not really here to talk about those Goths. Ah. Given that we're drinking the Gothic Imperial Stout from Six String Brewing, we're actually going to talk about Gothic rock and the associated Goth subculture. Yeah. I feel so vindicated for the first and last time in my life. <laughs> Anyone who knows me is that I'm a um, like, like pretending goth. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you how much work I put into that fake out when I was doing my research. Dude, I'm so happy for you right now. <laughs> like, I was interested in that. But also, I like the, I like the sudden end joke, too. Um, yeah. Oh, God, I'm so pumped. All right. And also, like, yes. All right. So, gothic rock, uh, also known as goth rock. Uh, grew out of the post-punk scene in the UK during the 1970s. Uh, it's basically inspired by a mix of uh, punk rock failing to change the world like they said they would, um, and the sort of despair, economic troubles, that kind of stuff that was going on around that time. What well, was it, this 70s? 70s. Okay, yeah. So, so, so like leading into like the fuel crisis, economic yeah. crash around the world, stuff like that. Um it basically took the post-punk sound that they had at the time in a more dark and melancholy direction. So, so what it, if you don't mind me being that annoying person, mm. um, because genres of music are very yes. nebulous yes. and difficult. What do you consider like post-punk? Uh, I'm not really sure because I'm not like well-versed in it specifically like okay. UK That's post-punk of the time. I've got some descriptions of my take on the music mm-hmm. of goth rock because it's... Not something I'd ever really listened to. Okay. Um, but being familiar with groups like the Sex Pistols and the Ramones, like I'm kind of familiar with that early kind of punk yeah. style. Um, but we'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Um, but yeah, so they also included elements of industrial music, which mm-hmm. is basically lots of harsh dissonant sounds, electronic instruments, synths, that yeah. kind of stuff. So it's like that kind of... It's quite heavily produced. It's just driving and relentless, but they use that pretty sparingly, I would say. Mm-hmm. It's like having listened to... 
some more modern instrumental stuff. It's just like noise almost. Yeah, it's not the kind of like, um, and I know we've spoke about this. I don't know if necessarily on the podcast before, but like when I think of industrial, I think of Nine Inch Nails, but I think of Mick Gordon's Doom soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. So Which, the, the, if you are a metal fan, fucking listen to. Yes. It's insane. I'd say the Mick Gordon stuff, primarily from how he goes about it, is like a pretty good modern version of industrial music. Like I've seen... Uh, there was like a really good video, I think done by Vice on this one instrumental uh, industrial artist who handmade all of his own electronic Fuck. Uh, MIDI controllers. One of them was this thing where it was basically, a, it was like a, a hand grip that he would grab and it was on a sliding rail to move forward and back. And when you push it all the way forward, there was like a drum trigger at the end and that was his like bass hit. And it would just be like slamming it forward and like back and forward. And then he was able to control, like, obviously the bass hit at one end, but as he was moving it back and forth, that was another, like, MIDI signal that he was able to use. Yeah, to, like, fluctuate. Building all of the shit himself. I'm pretty sure I saw a band at Leeds Festival, and they used, like, an old, like, microfiche, like, film projector Mm. thing that they had hooked up the signal to that. So he was, like, rolling uh, film through it and stuff, and it was creating different sounds. And Mm. I was like, what is that? That is insane. Yeah. There's like the logical uh, progression of the theremin. Yeah. Well, he also had this one thing. He had like a microphone array around his head, essentially. So you think of like a microphone right in front of your mouth. It was like that, but it was like a, a hemi hemisphere, like basically a half circle thing around his face. They had like an array of microphones all the way along it, mm. and he would just scream into it. But different parts of the array had different signal processing on it so it would like put different oh, effects on wow. it and he'd just like scream his way around this microphone thing and he was just he had it all set up it was almost like a one-man band where like he was in one position and he's able to reach all of this different shit who that he'd was built. this i can't remember the name i'll have to look it up and send it to you yeah but it was wild. fascinating to watch mm. um but yeah drifted pretty hard sorry. so anyway to go back to goth rock um some well-known artists include bauhaus uh, mm. which i hadn't heard of uh susie and the banshees which i had they're wicked if you haven't heard them before. Yeah, so I ended up listening to a little bit of this, but we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, Joy Division and The Cure being sort of the big names. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't, like I said before, I, I was not familiar with any of the actual music. Like I reckon I've probably heard a song here or there, and that's why I know some of these band names. Yeah, for real. Um, but I ended up looking up, uh, there's this tool called Music Map. The website for that is musicmap.info. It's basically like you load it up and it's like, shows you a bunch of high level music genres. It's basically like pop, rock uh this that but then you zoom in and you start to see all the different subgenres appear within that map and then it links them all out to sort of give you an idea of like what influenced what and you know where things came from if you click on one of those subgenres it pops up a little tab with like a very brief history essentially of the genre um, which i used for for some of this information because um, it was just fascinating to like hover over you know gothic rock mm. and then see it link out to like industrial and all these different uh, genres within that this uh, that sounds amazing and for some reason i'm reminded of there used to be a show in the uk called comedy connections mm-hmm. where they take like one comedy show and they would basically draw out over the episode a whole map of all the different people that influenced right. worked on wrote yeah, for yeah, yeah. starred in etc and what else they did and what mm. else they influenced them to then come into this show and so yeah. like, it was awesome like yeah. some classic british comedy shows but then this sounds like the music of that which i really like yeah um but one of the one of the cool things with uh, Music Map is when you open up that tab for one genre, 
it gives you a small YouTube playlist in the page. Mm. And so I opened the Gothrop one and just had the had the that playlist playing while I was doing some of this research. And that's where I started to I started to kind of think about the music and sort of started to actually feel some of what it was trying to get across. I don't want to sound too much like I'm at work, but if if Spotify don't use their APIs to integrate this into Spotify mm. as like uh, an iframe, mm. they're idiots. That sounds like the most fun tool in the world yeah. to listen to music Because Spotify at one point, didn't they have like lyrics being piped into? Yeah, they do. They, they partnered up with Genius. Yeah. And only on the mobile version. Is it really? Yes. Who's doing that? I don't know. But then it talks about what the lyrics mean and stuff because Genius is kind of mad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I had that had that playlist running, um, and well, because it had basically one song from about I think ten different artists. Yeah, and it just like it kept going. Uh, Did you a good good sampler? Yeah. Um, so that I've got some notes here that you know, sort of having studied music theory and stuff in high school, I, it, it like really started to awaken that part of my brain again. Um, just while I was thinking about oh, this new music that I've never heard before, what is it doing? Mm-hmm. Um, so when I spoke before, like it's sort of dark and melancholy, like what does that actually mean? Right. Um, so obviously like the, they're using a lot of minor chords, um, which kind of gives you that sort of sad feeling music. It's a lot of bass chords as well. Um, you know, being a lot lower, it kind of, it's more resonant while being minor. It just kind of really drives that feeling a little bit more when you, when you listen to it. Um, a lot of minor melody, a lot of minor melodies as well on top of those chords, and then like tons of reverb. So it gives it almost this, um, like oppressive feeling of despair, where it's just like it feels like the sadness won't go away. And I got that within the first song. I was just like sitting there going, "Oh, is this it? like?" Because having listened to a lot of music which has like tension and relief, yeah, I was waiting for. The relief. Some relief from that feeling they were pushing. It's not very goth, it didn't, And it didn't come, right? <laughs> was it, there's a great Peep Show quote. So I, want to, I want to create a sense, uh, a powerful sense of dread. Mm. Um, yeah, and it just reminded me of that. Yeah. Super hands. It was, a, it was a bit like that. Um, but yeah, and because it came out of sort of a punk and post-punk scene... It's a lot of simple chords, a lot of repetitive chord progressions. Yeah, that's the beauty of punk music is is that it's so it's so raw and yeah. so simple because that's kind of the part of it. It's a DIY and it's DIY yeah. music. So yeah, like simple chords, simple sort of drum, simple rhythms to you know get into very quickly. So that combined with that kind of dark feeling that it's giving you, again, it feels like it just won't let up. And some, okay. of, the, some of these songs that are in this playlist were like eight to nine minutes long. Yeah. And they didn't really change much musically throughout Sorry, that Mike, time. are you telling me that goths are self-indulgent? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, not, a lot of the lyrics feature themes of like sadness, nihilism, general sort of despair at society mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. like that. So um, yeah, like I said, even in that first song, I was starting to feel that sadness creep in and then it just fucking kept going for like the 10 songs that were in there. Some of them, some of them started to like have a little bit more upbeat music and some of the other elements coming in. But generally it was just like, Oh God, when will this stop? I need to stop researching this and listen to something else. If you really want to fuck yourself up, one of my favorite things to do is listen to Gothic bluegrass and Gothic country because it's mostly songs about um, people murdering their wives Mm. and, um, it is jaunty at times. Yeah. And it is fucking a weird feeling to hear about murders and stuff. And mm. then you're just like, oh, this song is kind of upbeat, but also quite sad. And the lyrics are awful. And I I feel like I'm lost in the Pacific Northwest. And yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, so before I move on from the music, uh, there's also sort of the related genre of gothic metal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's less of a it's less of a solid identity because it's more that they were just like borrowing parts of the aesthetic than necessarily being like this is our shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, artists like Cradle of Filth, which mm-hmm. you might have heard of, um, and some which have sort of over time moved, moved not an actual cradle of filth oh no that'd be horrible <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah there's some other artists which have since like actively moved away from using that terminology uh like nightwish which are sort of a they're better described as like symphonic black metal yeah right. it's, it's a lot of uh strings and big epic sound stages and like soaring vocals mildly furious that i totally understand and agree with that sentiment mm. um <laughs> And then, yeah, some of their earlier music did have more of a gothic vibe in the um, the arrangements and the melodies and things like that. And there's also... You can see why people don't like this shit because it's so unnecessarily exclusive with, uh, with theme... Excuse me, with phrases like symphonic black metal. Yeah. This is like when people are like, oh, so you like your beers, do you? You're like your double hopped extra yeah, yeah. pale ale, well, do it's... you, with, with hibiscus? And you're like, yeah, that sounds delicious. Yeah. You're like, fuck you. <laughs> well, it's like if you go deep on anything... Yeah, you well, find these niches. Right? I think we said this in like the la- in the special in a limited release one, which is like any hobby mm. you can get fucking expensive and fucking yeah. deep and fucking nerdy on. Yeah. And this is just what it is. Music yeah. is just not the hobby. It was like when I was looking at uh, Music Map, and there was like links out to industrial from gothic rock. There was also like this whole section of stuff called like dark wave or cold wave or something like that. And, and Cradle of Filth is often considered to be one of the premier dark wave bands. No, they're not. <laughs> are they? Yes, they are. Okay, because <laughs> it almost looked like something completely different. No. Okay. Um, there's also... <laughs> Sorry, this is also an IT crowd moment. Oh. Like, oh they're actually one of uh, one of the premier dark wave bands in creation. Not an actual Cradle of Filth. Oh, no, that would be horrid. Yeah. And that's what I was quoting before. Yeah. And then it cuts to Chris Morris's character pulling the best face I've ever seen in my life, which, cut to the camera. That's really good for an audio medium. I said cut to the camera. Yeah, Put well, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and the last one I've got here is, uh, I think I think the Danish, the band Him. Which you, that, you might be familiar with. Yeah, because the band fans were like rabid in high school. Yeah. They had it all over all the shit they had, yeah. all their merchandise. So yeah, they're, they're famous for their logo, which I think they refer to as a heartogram. Yes. Which is basically a pentagram with like the up, upside down star, but it's got like the two points formed into the top of a heart yes. instead. Which to be honest with you, like it's a decent logo. great little bit of yeah. mar- uh, like graphic design there. Yeah. And I only know one hymn song, which is Wings of a Butterfly, which yeah. actually to be fair... Banger. Yeah. I find it funny that they have moved away from like referring to themselves as gothic when him stands for his infernal majesty. Yeah, I couldn't get much more gothic. Yeah. Do you know um um so this is a conversation that I think we might have had during the brew thing, which is mm. that actually it was when we were kegging, yeah. which is there's a um a Rolling Stones album and I'll just double check the name. Um uh Sorry, you're probably going to have to put a beep in here. Um, that's it. There's a Rolling Stones album called Their Satanic Majesty's Request. Ooh. And I was like, well, I'm fucking listening to that. He's like, well, can I get a cheeseburger and some fries and a Coke? Uh, that's that's <laughs> what the request was. Yeah. It's like, um, can you turn it down a bit? <laughs> uh, no, so I was like, Sorry. I'm evil. I'm not fucking deaf. <laughs> this is a Rolling Stones album called Their Internal Infernal Majesty's Request. And I was like... I'm sorry, what? I've got to listen to that. Mm. Shite. Oh. Absolute is them, shite. Is it them trying to be gothic No, it was from like the 60s and it was just crap. Oh. It was right. just this weird melodic, not even psychedelic 
shite. Mm. It was real bad. Don't listen to it. Okay. So that was the thing we were saying before was that Rolling Stones, really good best ofs. Yes. A lot of shit. Yeah, same thing with the Beatles, in my opinion. Yep. It's like they got some bangers, but boy, is there some fucking trash in there. Yep. And people just choose to look past that. Yep. Maybe it's the Who. Maybe that's the band we should all be what loving. Was, was that Paul McCartney video? How did that end again? You can do it right now, please. That's it. Oh, my God. <laughs> and if anyone thinks what I just did was racist, please watch meatfreemondays.com. Yes. Fucking hell. Anyway, so that's the music. He's one weird fuck. That's gothic rock. Thanks. Now we'll move on to the people. <laughs> no, no, no. That was Paul McCartney. Yeah. Now now we'll move on to the associated subculture. Mm. Um, so it started sort of growing as its own identifiable uh, culture in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, so the music had basically, you know, come around and then a couple of years later, pretty much. Um, this has started to be a thing. Um, so the music is obviously a big part of that scene, um, but their style and and other pieces of art around goths became big sort of uh, defining factors as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a, where was I? Ah, uh, yeah. So in addition to gothic rock, um, they're also into associated on genres, including death rock, and then col- cold wave and dark wave, which <laughs> I mentioned before. I'm fucking pulling any punches with I that, are they? Um, but yeah, like like I said before, Music Map had links sort of between all these different groups. So um, some uh, corroborating evidence there, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so the clothing, uh, so what kind of music are you into? Uh, mostly death rock. Cool. I don't think we're going to get any more Tinder dates. What else? Goth rock. N- no. <laughs> well, murder ballads. Mm. Ah, I'm seeing a pattern emerge here. <laughs> um, yeah. So killer Mike. Best I could do. That's a different thing. Yeah. Uh, so the clothing that they would wear was obviously influenced by punk, just like the music of, uh, the scene was, uh, but, uh, also new wave styles of the time while also, as you probably know, pulling influence from things like Victorian and Edwardian fashion. So uh-huh. corsets and leather and all sorts of stuff like that. Like if you think about like the way steampunk fashion has evolved, mm. it kind of seems like it's come from a similar place. It definitely has. Yeah. 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 Um, so a lot of dark clothing. Uh, you and I are both fans of the black on black on black aesthetic. Um, there you go. Um, a lot of dark makeup and then black hair. Um, often dyed just completely jet black. Yeah, dude. Um, dude, I'm off to see Dita Von Tees tonight. Like, yeah. I'm literally going to be like, right, how can just I... Straight, straight into goth this. this the fuck yeah. up. Um, I have put a separate bullet point here that says, this aesthetic is still a threat. A threat? Mm. To what? No, it's just still a thing. Oh. Yeah. Like, this, this, this aesthetic of just wearing black, it's just like, it's still a thing because black goes with everything. Yeah, dude, it's fucking sick. And also, Melbourne is obsessed with it. it. Yeah, it really is. Um, but yeah, so because the subculture was very directly born out of this musical genre, um, a lot of the icons within that group are going to be members of those bands. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, in terms of style, yeah. style icons and like that, but often the, the singers of those groups or like, you know, the, the, the front, the front people, I guess. Yeah. Old mate from the cure, whose name suddenly escapes Robert me. Smith. Robert Smith. Thank you. I was like, That's Ian. Such, a, such a basic name. Yeah. I like Ian in my head, and I was well, like Ian, Ian Asprey of uh, the Cult. Might have been him. I was thinking of who were born out of a gothic rock group, I think, called like Southern Death Cult. That's a sick name. But then they went, oh no, we're going to do a much more palatable hard. That's rock like sound. the Brian Jonestown Massacre. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, the Cult, good band. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, and, and I found this one really interesting. 
uh, just because the quote's so good. Uh, so in a review from NME of uh, the 2013 Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds album called Push the Sky Away, uh, Nick Cave was referred to as the Grand Lord of Gothic Lushness. <laughs> that, that sentence unfolded word by word it changed yeah oh I my just, god i was like granddaddy grand lord like oh i've got no of gothic lushness yeah. like what it's such a title oh my god i think i might make that my tender profile <laughs> the grand lord of no you've got to be like the undersecretary of gothic lushness <laughs> Just, you know, a bit of humility, please. You're not Nick Cave. Gothic lushness trainee. (laughs) I'll make that my fat life profile. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, my word. Imagine being understudy to the Grand Lord of Gothic lushness. Yeah. This is like that, was it, uh, assistant to the regional manager? Yes. Assistant regional manager. Yeah. Assistant to the regional manager. <laughs> oh, that's fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, actually, you cried a little then. That made me yeah. laugh so much. Um, so other other icons uh, for the Goths included a, wind, a pretty wide range of writers and philosophers and thinkers, uh, including uh, Frederick Nietzsche, mm. Jean-Paul Sartre, uh, Edgar Allan Poe. Love him. Bram Stoker. Sorry, I saw, I saw a really, really funny Edgar Allan Poe tweet the other day. Not by him, believe it or not. Clearly. It was um, it's just, uh, hey, look, I'm not really a petty person. Why don't you come down to my uh, uh, my cellar wearing a stupid hat and try some vintage wine? <laughs> Which, if you're an Edgar Allan Poe fan, really not. is almost exactly the p- entire plot of the Casca for Montiato. Okay. Wherein a man is slighted by another man in the town, like a business rival. Mm. And he's like... Don't worry about it. It's all good. Come down into my cellar in your stupid hat and try some of this vintage wine. And then when he's in the cellar, he bricks him up in the wall. Amazing. It's fucking horrifying. Seriously, if you get the chance, mm. and I don't want to sound like I'm perpetuating a, perpetuating a stereotype here, and I know we've talked about Cthulhu and stuff on here before, mm. and Lovecraft, the big racist. I don't know how I go and Poe about things, but generally, <gasps> go and find a collective works of Edgar Allan Poe. They are fucking brilliant. Okay. And spooky as, and also quite mm. a lot of it really mean. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sounds like it. Put a man in a wall. <laughs> and she bricks him up. Yeah. It's so good, and leaves him there to die. Wow. Yeah. The Cascade of Monteado. Mm. Anyway, to finish, to finish the list I have here, so Edgar Allan Poe, like we mentioned, Bram Stoker, uh, Oscar Wilde, mm-hmm. your 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 <laughs> your favorite of mine, H.P. Lovecraft, yeah, uh, Anne Rice, uh, notably for doing like Interview with a Vampire, um, so some pretty spooky stuff in there, and William Gibson, noted science fiction author. Yeah, I read uh, Neuromancer, fucking hated it. Really? Yeah, I think I read it expecting a little too much, and also I read it in two thousand and eight or nine right wherein all of the things that he predicted had already been around for such a long time that i was like i am not impressed yeah because i read it, it like as a man out of time it was kind of like a, yeah. an anachronistic book yeah so it's like when you watch if you, okay so like if you ever watched the likes of um, richard Pryor, mm. he set the tone for what became for want of a better word like a lot of black comics in the mm. in the future as well as people like eddie murphy and chris rock if you watch their early stuff yeah so if you ever watch much like um uh, Def Jam comedy and stuff mm. from like the 90s or whatever. It's like, if you watch that and then watch Richard Pryor as opposed to the way around, you're like, yeah. well, I've heard all this shit before, but it's like he set that tone. Yeah. He was the one. 
Yeah, so I think... That sounds really weird out loud because it sounds like I'm saying all black comedy is the same. It is not, but there no, was a certain it's, it's, genre it's more, of comedy that grew up around that it's style. More, yeah, it's more the idea of like reading the origin of something before what came later versus the other way around, right? Absolutely right, yeah. And, yeah. and what I did was I read the book which inspired things like The Matrix and yeah. talked quite openly about the idea of the World Wide Web long after we had both of those things. Yes, so like I did the same thing, like watched The Matrix and then I think I read Neuromancer maybe around the same sort of time, but I went into it knowing that he wrote it fucking ages ago. Yep. And then having, having like the awareness of where those technologies are now and then reading it and literally every chapter being like, fuck, that's a real thing. Fuck, that's a real thing. Yeah. I wish that didn't happen. That's a real thing. Just all the way through the book. <laughs> so I was given it by a homeless man. He told me it changed his life and it was one of the best books he's ever read. And then everyone was like, oh, it's one of the best books I've ever read. And I was like, that's a huge claim. And I read mm. it while I was taking a poo through uni. And I, uh, when <laughs> I finished it, poo. when I finished it, <laughs> I just threw it out the bathroom window. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was really mad. My dad did a similar thing with, um, of all books, um, the Da Vinci everybody, Code. I thought you were going to say everybody poops. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was no, he wasn't pooping, to my knowledge. But he was in a hotel room in New York, finished the Da Vinci Code, which we'd given him for his birthday, yeah. and he just threw it against the wall and left it there when he left the hotel because <laughs> he's like, I'm not carrying that around America, yeah. and it wasn't good. I was like, Why did you finish it? And he's like, Because I started it. That's yeah. why I finished it. I, I would instead of reading it, I'd recommend watching the movie if you're going to do either because it's over in like an hour and a half, and then you're like, Look, it was a dumb movie. I, I had some, I had some fun along mm. the way. I it's, think it was at the time when the Da Vinci Code had just come out and everyone was like, yeah. this book changes everything. Yeah, but then you read like any of his other works and it's like, oh, it's the same fucking thing. It's the same damn book. Yeah. I haven't read any of them, obviously, but I've seen Angels and Demons and I understand that that's the same thing. It's basically like when they uh, when they did Prison Break season one and then they came back and did further seasons of Prison Break. It's like, oh, we've got so to break, we've got to break out of Prison Break again. Like, what is happening? No, it's the first season was break out. The second season was break back in. And then the third season was, oh, now we need to break back out again. What was, oh, <laughs> there's another one that's like that. I can't remember. And I'm going to have to put a beep in here because I can't remember. But it, there's some comedian that talks about it and he's like, um, like the first series or, or movie in a trilogy. And they're like, oh, it's like an escape from such and such. And it's like, the second one is like, stop getting yourself in those situations. Taken. There might be that. Yeah. Oh, here's a fun L- one. Liam Neeson, the worst dad in the world. His family keeps getting kidnapped. Um, so Liam Neeson did an interview once. He's like, you've done Taken 1 and 2. Would you do a Taken 3? He's like, no, look, after the first one, um, first of all, I'm going to say something racist about black people most likely in this interview. <laughs> That's <laughs> a throwback to six months ago. Yeah. Um, probably about a year ago now, anyway, whatever. Um, no, Liam Neeson was basically like, uh, you know, after his daughter gets taken the first time and the second time and he gets them back, that's one thing, but uh, a third time is just careless. And obviously they came around and was like, but Liam money <laughs> and he was like uh, where's she being taken to mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> that's well, my Liam Neeson impression and you're all welcome worse off for it yeah. I say anyway I think we're talking about goths yeah what did, get, where did we land like, oh I grew on Poe and then it went mental William, William Gibson that's it that's how we ended up here uh, so yeah they're also inspired by a lot of uh, gothic literature um, so think things like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein yep um, being a pretty, I guess, seminal work in that genre. She wrote that as part of a writing competition over, a, I think, like a weekend in a country really? house with a number of other authors, including her husband, who's a famous author, I forget who it was. Mm. Um, and she wrote that as like what's considered to be like the seminal first sci-fi novel. Mm. And basically it was so that she didn't have to 
the, I, this was uh, me paraphrasing a Tumblr post. I saw it, which is where basically <laughs> it was write a novel that became so famous you wouldn't even believe it. Basically, so that you didn't have to join into an orgy with Lord Byron and catch his syphilis. Wow, <laughs> so good. Yeah. Also, Lord Byron, shout out to our boy. Mm. Like Lord Byron, <laughs> just had a mad life. Shout out to the homie Lord Byron. He's just had a mad life. It's yeah. so good. Um, but yeah, so a lot of Gothic literature features themes of uh, mystery, romance, suspense, horror, uh, supernatural elements, terror. Uh, you know, a lot of imagery of things like castles, churchyards, graveyards, demons, ghosts, vampires. Hmm. You kind of get the idea. Stop it! I've got a spooky. Yeah, <laughs> good. <laughs> just. Uh, I should have expected that to come up. Yeah, I suppose it hasn't. Yeah. Um, oh, so, did I tell you that the, the the people that coined that phrase for me in my life have yeah. got a YouTube series at the moment where they play horror games and it's just called Spookies. And I'm like... Mm. I like that a lot. But it's only... Ever, it took so it's long. It's only ever waste up shots of them. It is, because let's play, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just um, waste down shots and just them speaking. Oh, <laughs> just hear their voices. Oh, no. Oh, um, no. So some other, I guess, more modern... Uh, gothic media um so you probably know the character uh noel fielding's character in the it crowd uh by the name of uh richmond literally who i was quoting yeah, like five yeah. minutes ago basically just a goth in a server room um, very it's very good that's such a good episode when they discover him too yeah and also like his i think in the mighty boosh he delves a bit into it, sort of being a goth his, yeah his character is quite a goth in yeah. that uh, vince noir um yeah vince noir is a great name it's so especially good especially for a goth yeah uh, and then also the works of Tim Burton, a lot of his mm-hmm. uh, his movies would be considered sort of gothic, you know, A Nightmare Before Christmas and yep. uh, The Corpse Bride. Mm-hmm. None of his, none of that I've seen. You've never seen A Nightmare Before Christmas? No. Dude, it's genuinely fucking No, I know. It's, it's, like, it's, it's on my list for this year, like coming into Christmas because time like, to watch it. It's the perfect time right now because yeah. it's between Halloween and Christmas. Yeah. Um, In the words of the cast of that movie, this is Halloween, but it's not now, but you could no. have watched it around there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like I got I got to this point. Up. I got to, I got to this point in my research, and I'd, sorry, I'd also like to add Neil Gaiman in there. Goths love him, and also he is basically a goth. Uh yeah, I don't know if I'd call his work gothic though. You haven't read his Sandman series, then? I haven't. No, it's wicked. I, I think I read uh, American Gods. Uh, I started like watching that. I was enjoying it, and just never finished it. The book's really good. I should check it out. Um, I think a uh, Nancy Boys was another one. So uh, what's it called? Anansi, A-N-A-N-S-I. Okay, it's like the sub-Saharan African goddess? Yeah, it's like the god is like a spider or something like that. I think. Mm. Um, and oh, then God. His, his, book on, his book, Norse Mythology, was actually really interesting. Oh, yeah, I heard it's, that. It's kind of written for like a teenage audience to like introduce the general overview of Norse myths. Cool. But I read that after having played the most recent God of War game on the oh, PS4. Good timing, yeah. Because that is like set in that sphere yeah. and does the same thing of like introducing these characters and kind of touching on those myths. And it's like, as far as I can tell, pretty close to some of the myths. Yeah, sick. Um, and then obviously after watching like Thor movies, you know, you've got Thor, Loki, Asgard, all that stuff. Like that is literally pulled out of that stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, Gaiman's book on Norse mythology, like, yeah, it's, it's written for a younger audience, but it's still like pretty entertaining because he just basically tells the myths. Highly decent. Yeah. Dude, go go get the Sandman graphic novels by Gaiman. They're yeah. wicked. Mm-hmm. And also, the character of the Sandman is just Neil Gaiman. Like, it doesn't even <laughs> not look like him. It's him. Great. Also, he's married to, I've just remembered who it was, Amanda Palmer from Dresden Dolls. Ah. Yeah. She's coming to town soon. Cool. Hmm. Um, 
Yeah, so I wasn't really sure how to end the story because it's not like a beginning, middle, and end thing. It's just like, here's goths. It's the primer on gothic culture. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll end by saying that, like, unlike a lot of subcultures that kind of sprung up around 70s and 80s, like, aesthetics of gothic subculture has kind of just kept going and still continues to this day. Yeah, I find that really interesting because it is, I guess it's because it's a subculture is that it, it's not really influenced too much by culture. But the thing is, like, the music that spawned it isn't really a thing anymore. Like, there's gothic elements in certain different genres that exist today, but it's not its own thing. So I would say that there probably is quite a lot of it, but we just don't know it necessarily. Yeah. And I think it will be very small things. Yeah, but the yeah, thing yeah. is, like, people still rep the music of back yeah, then yeah. quite hard. Yeah. So they're kind of still feeding off that. Like, I mean, you must get sick of listening to Joy Division at some point. Mm. Um, but no, I do understand where you're coming from. Yeah, because, like, um, a lot of the fashion, I would say, is probably the biggest part that keeps that keeps going. You know, like yeah. black clothing, leather, dark hair, dark makeup, all that stuff. Like, so that's, so that's, that's themes that, of the fashion. Yeah, but like that's yeah. kind of, that's kind of bled out into like the metal scene, yeah. punk, hardcore, those sorts of scenes. Like that's just it's almost a staple. Um, yeah. Like they had their own parts of that back then, but um, it was probably most strongly associated with 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 goths. I would say. Yeah, and interestingly, like the goth fashion stuff kind of bled into the mainstream like mm. a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, so actually, it's probably never been a better time to be a goth to be able to like buy shit. Yeah, like, rather than have to go to weird specific well, that, gothic shops that, was that actually only sell like, really ugly frilly shirts. Yeah, and that was one of the criticisms back in like the eighties and nineties when the mainstream started to catch on. Is that a lot of original goth fashion was self-made? Mm. It wasn't something you went and bought. You actually just made it yourself. And so yeah. when big labels started putting the stuff out, that's when a lot of the terminology around like poses versus true goth started to come oh, out. Interesting. There's a whole thing there because um, yeah, they just used to do it all themselves. They used to just like take fishnets and leather and like cut it all up and stitch it all back together and yeah. include corsets. And well, I do happen to know that a lot of a lot of the goths that I follow online stuff like that. A lot of them are still, you know, um, I don't know the right word, but they they do make a lot of their own clothing and stuff like that. So mm. obviously, like that sort of craftiness is still in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then you look at things like uh, you know, steampunk fashion has kind of become its own very identifiable thing. But mm -hmm. it, you can see lines back to this. Yeah. Things like the the corsets and the Edwardian Victorian fashions being included and things like that. So it it's pretty interesting like seeing the way that this has progressed because i never have looked into this before and then saying like oh there's these bits that are still a thing today but yeah. they're just kind of like dissipated out into different alternative subcultures yeah for real um yeah so that's that's well that's one type of goth that we've covered today maybe we'll come back and do the other one at some point because looking through it i was like man this is actually fucking interesting and i never studied history and i'm kind of mad about it now yeah dude this is pretty fascinating i'm I, I was i was very like briefly momentarily disappointed and then i got appointed again yeah and i was yeah yeah because like the huns are a part of that story as well yeah shit yeah man yeah which is also what we racially called the germans for about 30 years in the uk oh no yeah we weren't good ever no. Um, um, yeah. So that's goths, isn't it? That's, that's <laughs> awesome. I'm well into that. Yeah. Closing thoughts on the beer. I mean, you've clearly finished yours. Yeah, I smashed mine. Honestly, yeah. that was delicious. It was. It was a really. Hang on. Yeah, I am basically licking the glass at this mm. point, but um, it was a really undercomplicated but still delicious mm. stout. I think that for me is actually a thing that is lacking somewhat in Australian beer, or, or rather in craft beer these days. Is mm. it's just 
And actually, when you get it, you're like, oh, this is just a really good example of this. And I think we mm. spoke about that, about Bolter. Yeah. One of the things they do is just do a good beer really well. Yeah. They've got a good IPA. They've yeah. got a good uh, XPA. They're not trying to like force something in there. It's just like, oh, it is a, just a good exemplar mm. of the style. Dude, I, I, I keep saying this and I keep saying it's coming back, but I don't see it enough, to be honest. What I'm mm. really keen for at the moment is for people to just start putting together really good like Czech and German lagers. Uh, there's a bit of it. Like I tried, uh, when I was at Hop Nation, I tried their organic lager. Oh, how is that? It's just I come think, out. I think it's quite a new thing. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Like nice and light. Um, it was cold and raining on Friday, but like I could imagine on a hot day that that is fucking mm. perfect. Maybe um, might be part of my Christmas booze. Yeah. So I think like there's a, the, it's starting to, there's a Moving few people really starting to do that. I don't know about the, the Pilsners. Um, some of them start to experiment with wheat beers and things like that, mm. which are, you know, not to everyone's taste. Are you much of a wheat beer fan? Because we discussed this in the uh, last episode or maybe this limited release. I am, but I would say that I don't really drink that many of them. It's yeah. just more like if I'm if I'm like if I go to a, a German beer place here in Melbourne, like they're good. I enjoy them. But yeah. it's not something I seek out. No, that's totally you know fair. what I mean? Like I I drink a lot more of like IPAs and things like that recently. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, no, this this has been a very good stout. Um as someone who quite likes stouts generally. Um, this is a really good one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm super impressed. Also, mm. I need to drink more six string because every time I have a, one of theirs, I'm like, oh, that's really this good. is real good. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Mm. Uh, big fan. Mm. Cool. Uh, Mike, mm. uh, would you like to submit your closing arguments about what? I'll be honest, yeah, I meant just to do the do, do, do the things, the the social media. That's the one. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so if you, dear listener, would like to follow us. Uh, or keep up the date with us in, in any way. Uh, we are across Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Hebrew Podcast. Uh, it's the same username across all three because mm-hmm. we like to make things easy for you. And also, we're the only one of those podcasts called that. Yes. Uh, we also have... How uh, are we the only one? Uh, I mean... I guess it would have to be a Kiwi. Yeah. That's fair enough. Yeah, and also it's like dangerously close to the word Hebrew. There was quite a lot of that when I was first searching us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hebrew podcasts. No, thank you. Not That's, for me. Um, I don't speak the language. It wouldn't be much good to me. Why does he have so much beer? Oh, Hebrew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I regret my actions. Uh, ah, love it. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, don't. That got me better than it should have. Yeah. Maybe it's this beer. Um, We've also got our handy-dandy website, which is heybrew.zone. You can find all of our episodes on there. You can listen to it right in the website or find links from there to a number of different podcast platforms to subscribe, Mm. keep up to date with our episodes. Such as? Uh, No. You can say Uh, Shopify, Spotify. Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, Overcast. Pocket Cast. And then the misuse of RSS feeds. Yeah, um, yeah. there's also just the RSS feed link if you want to put that in whatever you use. Yeah. You can also just listen to it on the site. You can. Don't, uh, don't do that. No, do yeah, that. It's, it's fine. It's up to you. I was just going to say, my mum's been doing that and she's yeah. like, I like this in your podcast, but then if I pause it and go away and come back, I have to start all over again. Yeah. I find my space. It's like, okay, stop using That's the website. basically the number one benefit of a podcast app is yes. you can pause it and come back to it later. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, what else? We've had we words. Yeah, you can also email us at hello at heybrew.zone. Uh, if you want to send in submissions of beers, submissions of potential stories, or both, yeah, or even just to say hello, I enjoyed this episode. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Yeah. So once again, that's hello at heybrew.zone. Please Correct. do send us an email. We'd really appreciate that, even yeah. if it's just like 
Hey, <laughs> have you tried this beer? I don't know why they're from Manchester. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, drop us a line. Yeah. Drop us a link. Yeah. Drop us a liquor. I got nothing. No. Uh, drop us a like on the social media. Yeah. Drop us an iTunes review if you can spare the time. Ooh. Um, we haven't had any more Love since that. the last time we read them out. Um, so we won't be reading any out right now. No, but um, we would genuinely really appreciate it. Yeah, they, they, they do a lot to help us get out there uh, because a lot of play, a lot of podcast services still rely on the iTunes podcast directory. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's basically like almost the single source of truth for this stuff. Yeah, um, so it's kind of wild. Yeah, it's, it's a bit weird. What an amount of power for one like company I, to wield. Yeah, like I look at the stats of like which apps are pulling downloads for our shows and like yeah apple stuff is like maybe 30 percent of it but that's like not everything and different mm. different platforms have their own reviews but they don't all come together it's a really messy medium but you know it allows us to put things out pretty easily so we yeah, get it for real um but yeah so itunes reviews if you've got the time uh is super appreciated yeah um, and like genuinely it means a difference to us and it also means a lot to us when we see that it's really good really quite nice for yeah. people to leave reviews yeah yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of it. Uh, today being was this episode twenty, by the way, eighteen. Yeah, oh. yeah. He guessed and was way off. Yeah, I mean we're we're rapidly approaching our one year anniversary, which I think will be in May, because uh, we put our first stuff out in May. Oh, I can say like no, our first recording. Was no, our first, our first months ago. Our first recording date was like back in October. Um, but in terms of uh, just the, goes to show how inefficient two men can be. Well, we stacked a bunch up so we could release them all at once. Yeah, uh, we, we're, and nicely we're getting to that cushion again. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So in terms of uh, the the audiences uh, knowing of Hebrew, we're we're slowly slowly but surely closing in on a year. That's mad to me. Yeah, we might have to try to figure out something special to do for that. Mm. Get wankered on air. Oh, something different. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> that, that'll happen anyway. Oh, I know what we can do. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. <laughs> episode 20 is going to be coming up soon. Mm. Um, maybe we'll do something fun for that, like we did for episode 10. Um, yeah. We'll see. You know how we feel about fun. I like it. Quite positively. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Thank you so much for listening to Hey Brew. Yeah. Uh, as always, it's a pleasure, especially to talk about goths, because, you know, mm. yo. I think, well, I'm wearing all black. Are you wearing all black? I only own all black. Well, this has been incredibly fortuitous. (laughs) And I've been Elliot. And I've been Mike. Cheers. Cheers. That's the name of the podcast now. This has been incredibly fortuitous. We've changed it on the fly really quickly at the end of the episode. Don't know why I'm saying it like I'm coked up. (laughs) Yeah, we've got a podcast title that is a fucking mouthful. Hey, brew. Um, Also, I'd like a fucking mouthful of brew. And also... We've got a podcast title that is a fucking mouthful. Ayy. Idiots. It's a dick joke. It is a dick joke. Ugh. Oh.